podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Yes, welcome back to the pod. It's good to be here. So Ian's back in Texas, and I've stayed on in Asia. But a few days ago, I was able to get him on the blower. We put our noses to the grindstone, and we asked ourselves, what are five interesting trends happening in the community right now? Because, of course, just a few weeks ago, we hung out with hundreds of you at our eighth annual event in Bangkok called DCBKK. So For those of you that weren't there, we're going to try to put our finger on five trends that can hopefully inspire you to grow a better location-independent business. But before we get into that, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Folks have been asking about Dynamite Deals. What's going on? The idea behind Dynamite Deals was, of course, what if we can find done-for-you services designed to improve your business or lifestyle, present them to the TMBA audience, and create a win-win deal? get amazing services at amazing prices. In our first three deals, we did $67,000 of partner revenue. Uh, Incredible result. And uh, something we intend to continue to do is bring these deals to the audience. The issue right now is, you know, tracking down quality services and creating win-win deals has been super labor intensive. So the next step for us is really digging in and figuring out which products and services are helping TMBA listeners grow their businesses. Again, that idea, like click the button and you're going to have a better business for it. So it's not just these standard discounts and stuff that maybe already exist. So if you do run a done-for-you service designed to grow businesses and you want to cut a deal with us, kick an email over to the deal cutter-in-chief His email is ian at tropicalmba.com. So hopefully more deals coming down the pike. Also with Dynamite Jobs, we continue to make placements every week over there. Our 2020 goal is to make one placement a business day. So we're not just talking about job posts. We're talking about actually putting candidates in quality remote companies. And so if you're looking for a gig, head on over to dynamitejobs.co. We are going to continue to push Dynamite Jobs forward in 2020 and hopefully have some exciting things coming down the pike there to share with you. All right, so let's jump into the five trends. I think it's fair to say that Boss Man and I both left Bangkok in quite a daze, exhausted but buzzing by the countless conversations we've had with so many of you. Let's get started with these five trends or insights we've noticed by spending time with the TMBA listenership. Now, Ian, a lot of these insights aren't going to be about our business specifically. One of the things I'd like to do is revisit our personal business progress sometime before the end of the year. What I want to talk about today is trends, opportunities, and just insights about the community as a whole. So the first... Something I touched on briefly at the top of last week's episode, Ian, and it's really sort of captured my imagination. It's just this. 
Is location more important for location-independent entrepreneurs? In other words, are we more location-dependent than a lot of other careers? Wouldn't it be a sweet, sweet irony if this were the case, Ian? It really got me thinking, though. It was a conversation with you that I walked away from. I mean, basically, the context for the conversation was a friend was essentially looking to jumpstart his business. And, you know, we're tooling around with all these strategies and maybe do this and do that. I mean, things get into the weeds pretty quick. And then you kind of bomb into the conversation and you're basically like, well, who do you hang out with every day? And kind of like the next follow-up question was, well, why don't you move somewhere where that wouldn't be the case? Essentially, why don't you move somewhere where you're around other entrepreneurs on a daily basis? But your point was something that I walked away from thinking a lot about. And there's a lot of reasons, but one, I'll say this piece and then and turn it over to you. But you know, we're part of a very niche community with very specific interests and set of knowledge. I mean, you all listen to the Tropical MBA podcast. This isn't mainstream stuff, you know? And you're doing things that most of the people around you have never even heard of and don't understand. And so you say you do things like IT or I work on the internet, you know, but like it's this space that people don't know about, you know, they're careers that are illegible still, especially the kind that we're talking about here on the show, that the community is very small, it's very focused. And so the question that I'm posing today is how much do you lose by not being around those people? How much margin are you giving up? How much growth, how much speed are you giving up by not being around those people? I suspect it's a lot. Your thoughts, boss man? Well, this was my idea. So I agree with you 100% on it, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like your hype man. I mean, there's a lot to it. I mean, it, it, it took years to come to that conclusion. But the idea here for me, Dan, is I think it's critical in the early stages of business. Why are you not hanging out with other people that are doing something similar? And that's why I think honestly people come to Bangkok for 10 days, you know, for this event. You know, the event Dan is is actually the official event is only 3 days. It's Friday, Saturday and Sunday. But somehow it's turned into like a 10-day event. So I snuck into Bangkok on Monday thinking like, okay, I'm not going to see anybody for a couple of days, you know. Right out of the gate, <laughs> like like at the hotel, the Conrad, I see like 15 people in the lobby and I'm like, oh man, this is already happening. This is already on. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why people come to Bangkok early, but I think the primary reason is because how rare is it to get 300 plus people in the same hotel, the same city, the same like block for 10 days, like to talk about all the things that we're all interested in lifestyle, business, parenting, all these things got discussed. And it's very difficult to do that in other cities and other circumstances. You know, I think Austin is is a strange example of us having density as a community. I think Chiang Mai is another example of us having density as a community, but like the density matters, Dan. And I think especially if you're starting off. Now, a lot of us I think you know, eventually like you peel off, right? So you make enough money so you can like afford your house on the hill in whatever town and you can just communicate to people via email and Skype and, you know, however everybody's communicating, right, Dan? But I think the density really matters in the beginning. And that's why I made the recommendation to our friend, which is like, hey, man, like you're trying to get something off the ground. Like it really matters who you're around, at least initially. Yeah. 
here's the good news. I mean, sure, it's better off in a city that is good for that kind of thing, potentially. But you don't need a city. You don't need an army. You need a group of people that you're around. And those groups can be found and, and cultivated. I got into business because, yeah, I wanted freedom and stuff, but I like business. I like growing companies. And so the idea that I'm going to live somewhere where I don't get to be around business people like myself all the time, that's like, I'm not doing that. Dan, I mean, I think that you can use this community as an example, but let's talk about other communities. Let's talk about if you like to ski. If you like to ski, you don't live in Florida <laughs> because that's not where the snow is. I love your thinking because it's, it's like just you nailed it, which is there's something about the internet that allows us to do the limbo under the hard facts. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I'll put up a website and drive some traffic to it and figure it out. And it's like, okay, you know, that works for nobody. Like everybody else is surrounding themselves with mentors, with peers, with inspirations, with guidance, with daily frameworks of, of, of groups of people that help them move forward. Maybe we've been fighting this idea, Dan, because uh, we have the opportunity to live wherever we want and do whatever we want and be wherever we want. But I think if you want to get ahead, especially early in your career, it makes sense to be around other people that are doing the things that you want to do. It could be early or a restart. And you know what I'm seeing is you know, maybe my, quote, digital nomad journey or yours has been misinterpreted. I wasn't going places to go scuba diving. I was going places to do business. You know, if you're at a point in your life where you really want to pursue a hobby and you want to get really good at it or whatever, you know, that's going to come in conflict with this new thing, this new practice of entrepreneurship that you might be interested in. Like I talked to people that may be struggling to get something off the ground and they're using this flexibility to like, quote, live a better life. And so they're, you know, enjoying some things that are really enjoyable and cool, but they're not entrepreneurship. So it's like, well, how's that working out for you? My digital nomad journey was about going places that were relevant for the business. And if places were strange, I'd figure out a way to make them relevant. I'd find the business owners there, you know? I didn't want to hang around with people that were like traveling. It didn't make sense to me. Like those people, they're not serious about building things. They're traveling. So Ian, I love your insights here. I'd love to hear the audience's thoughts. For some reason, this thought has absolutely captivated me, Ian. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I just thought, this is a thing. Like, There is a line item on everybody's like hypothetical business projection sheet or whatever that's like, how's my location contributing here? There's the really black and white stuff, like what's my tax rate? How much does it cost to hire local people? All that. But then there's this sort of more philosophical and relationship stuff, which could be the most important of all and is tougher to see. And so location independent isn't location arbitrary. Ignore your location at your own peril. Okay, so number two, Ian. This year, we noticed a notable lack of trendy business models. You know, one of the ongoing memes or jokes that us and the team have at DCBKK is sort of like, hey, can you see like what the trend is this year? So in the past, it might have been like Amazon business. And then like the year after, it's like Amazon affiliate business. <laughs> and then the year after, it's like FBA. And then the year after, it's like cryptocurrency. And like there's this trend. You know, there was one year where I, I talked to a bunch of people writing white papers. 
And I think that's awesome. But you know, that was a very short moment in internet business history. And so I was looking for it this year, you know, and I didn't see it. <laughs> I just didn't see it. I looked around the room and I saw a bunch of businesses that would just look like, hey, these are businesses that make money, like businesses we would all recognize. But I think there were some common threads to be uh, discussed in this idea that there was a lack of trendy business models at the conference stand. And I think one of the... Hold up. There was a trend though. The trend is there's more money for this stuff than ever. The trend is money, money, money. Everybody seems to have cash. Were you feeling that? I was definitely feeling that. I'm actually like, I'm a little bit nervous about it. (laughs) If that makes sense. Like, I think that, you know, as we've seen in the space and as we've talked about on this show before, private equity, investors, they're all circling around this community like a bunch of hawks. And they're trying to figure out how can I deploy cash onto these businesses. Yep. I've heard so many times, Dan, from people that run these firms that have this investment money is that their investors are desperate to figure out a way to deploy the cash. Many of them know that they will lose cash on these deals, but they're just hoping that a couple of them hit and they can outperform the market. And we've spent a lot of time and we don't need to like go into it in great detail, figuring out whether or not these businesses can actually benefit from this cash. But I don't think that that matters because I think that these investors are coming and they're trying to figure out how to make it work. The idea here, Dan, is that people have essentially more money than they know what to do with. And I think that's the case on the investor side. And I think it's also the case on the business owner side. A lot of these businesses are doing very well. And people are not reinvesting it all into their business because they're not exactly sure how to do it. Maybe they haven't figured out how to make good returns on it yet. And so people are flush with cash. Yeah. And I've got an idea. Oh, boy. Here's my idea. This is not on my note sheet. This is something that I've been practicing for the last couple of years, and I just want to bring it up. The idea is do nothing. <sighs> do nothing. I think, Dan, we're living in a time that has been amazing. You know, we started our business, our first business, around the time that the market crashed. Yeah. And we grew through that. And so we were even immune to that because we were in a market where we had a better product and that was kind of on the upswing. And I think a lot of ways we got lucky, you know. But anyways, we like grew through that that recession and we continued to grow. And a lot of people that have been in this conference the last eight years, 10 years, are in a similar situation. Like we haven't felt the pain of a downturn. And so everybody's trying to figure out like, where, where am I going to spend my money? What am I going to do with it? Do nothing. Just wait because it's coming. I promise. Our parents' generation, they'll tell you all about how it's come and gone a bunch of times. There's been a dip. Couldn't take my money out of my retirement. Had to work another 10 years. I think that people with money now, if you can hold off, if you can not buy an overpriced asset, because I think a lot of assets are overpriced right now, if you can hold off, you can wait until the market has a correction. You're going to find yourself in an interesting position where you can swoop in on some half-priced assets. Now, I know a lot of y'all probably out there thinking, what are you guys talking about? We're not all Scrooge McDuckin' out here. But a lot of people just don't have money yet. That's fine too. That's why we're all here in the entrepreneurship game is to get ourselves on a path full of peers that end up in this you know, wonderful position you're talking about, this cash position. So this point is really about like a meta view of the community suggesting that 
you know, not only is there like more money in the market out there, but more of that money seems to be focused on the assets being built in this community. So if you did want to sign a term sheet to take on an investor because you don't have cash, there's probably never been a better time to do that. That's the takeaway. There's another takeaway for people that aren't Scrooge McDuckin yet, which is... Sell. Maybe. Well, what I was thinking is there is a lack of operator talent. In other words, like there's more investors than entrepreneurs. Like there's an imbalance in the marketplace. There's not enough yeah. competent operators. There's not enough people that know how to run a business. Entrepreneurship, it is a know how. You learn it by doing it. You learn it by apprenticing with people who are not bullshit. And when you learn that skill set, you are in the power position in today's marketplace. If you're hearing this and you're thinking, man, I don't know how to like partner with somebody to get some money to do something, or I don't know how to... And then it's like, well, that means you haven't apprenticed long enough to understand that skill set of entrepreneurship, because at least at the meta view, that particular action of partnering for cash, for example, has never been easier. Dan, I just want to say one more thing about money and, and these assets. You know, I, I said uh, sell. You know, I, I think now might not be a bad time to sell. Like like we just talked about, like there's tons of money. Everybody's looking to get in. There's no shortage of loans too. Like the rates for loans has never been lower. So the idea that like this is a seller's market, I think absolutely. Now, that being said, I, I just want to mention like the price of these assets. Dan, you know this, and I'm sure a bunch of the listenership knows this. I follow like the the used car market very closely, especially like classics and cars that are like uh, appreciating in value. There's actually an app now where I think it's called Rally, where you can invest in cars. It's a fund, right? Yeah. And they like uh, acquired a bunch of classic cars and like you can invest in these cars. Anyways, it's pretty interesting. But I think like these automobiles are becoming like real asset classes. Like before it was just like, oh, there's a couple cars that are appreciating and but now it's like a lot of cars are appreciating and people are like trading them like art. Now, that being said, Dan, I want to mention, because I watch this market so closely, the price of certain automobiles has peaked. It's actually coming down. And I think that that might be a leading indicator of something to come. You know, one other point I feel compelled to mention, you know, this idea of selling based on the market conditions is an idea that I critique in the book Before the Exit, which continues to inspire fruitful conversations. But it's this idea of like, okay, well, you're going to cash out of your asset, which was built by this hard-earned skill entrepreneurship, in order to get this asset class cash, which people are having a hard time deploying. And so you really got to ask yourself, like, well, why do you want the cash? And what are you going to do with it? And how's it going to put you in a better position to grow than your platform? This is something that um, I didn't really realize earlier in my career because investors were so good at, on the internet at glamorizing their position. I realized that meeting those people, it's not, it's not like that. I mean, they, part of the role is to like grow their brand so that they can get deal flow. And what we're hearing now and what we're seeing on the ground is that that deal flow is really hard to come by because everybody wants a piece of it. And so again... Not only is that skill set of operation what's in demand right now, but it's actually operating something that's in demand. And very practically, I suggest that if 
you're networking and you own a business, that is a way more interesting. And in a book, I call it an ace up your sleeve. Whereas if you're networking and you just got some cash in the bank, you're just the next rich person. It's not that exciting. Yeah. And there's increasing competition in that space. If you're like curious about like why these investors like have blogs and stuff, it's because uh, they need the deal flow. Remember this URL, smashdigital.com slash TMBA. That's where you can get a free video mini audit of your site's SEO by the team over at Smash Digital. I've been hearing about these things. The listeners love them. So go get your free mini audit, smashdigital.com slash TMBA. Of course, not every entrepreneur or company can benefit from getting Smash Digital's SEO services involved. So I asked the founder, Travis Jameson, what sort of businesses tend to get the most benefit? Companies that are established and have a quality site. So people whose sites have good content already, if they've been somewhat SEO optimized, if they're modern, people who have businesses versus hacks, businesses do well. We have a company in the financial services space. They have raised tens of millions of dollars and they're valued at hundreds of millions of dollars and their entire business is built on SEO and it wasn't even good at first. So Smash Digital is not just another SEO company. They have skin in the game. They're using tried and true and tested techniques from Travis Jameson's own suite of businesses and they're putting it towards their clients. So why not get your hands on that free mini audit and see what they're all about? Head on over to smashdigital.com slash TMBA. All right, number three, what is the landscape of people actually making money on the web? I had an insight into what it actually looks like, Ian, and I want to run it by you here today. Because people often ask, and they're curious, like, what's the breakdown here? Like, how do people make money on the internet? By the way, yeah, I just want to say <laughs> I just want to say this real quick like 2019 when people ask me what what I do, do you say IT? Yeah, yeah, you say <laughs> IT. You say, "Oh, I, I work online or, you know, I was talking to a lady the other day and her like mind was blown, you know, that like travel anytime you want and like work online and all this stuff, you know." But there was like no follow-up questions. It was just like, oh my gosh, like mind blown. Meanwhile, I'm like, hmm, this has been around for like an awful long time, like 10 to 15 years at least. And you're online all day. Yeah. <laughs> like as a consumer. You're using this stuff. You're like the number one user. Exactly. I'm selling stuff to you every day. <laughs> exactly. And people are like, this is big mystery. Like, how? Oh, wow. Gee, wow. Meanwhile, if you told them you were like an astrophysicist who sometimes collaborates with NASA or something, be like, huh. Oh, Cool. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I saw a story on uh, on NASA the other day on sixty Minutes, and uh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> this is, we're just being mean now. Okay, so the point here, Ian, is how are people making money? What's the breakdown here? I do think that DCBKK is a pretty decent sort of cross section of ways to make money vis a vis sort of this internet lifestyle, so to speak. A lot of e commerce entrepreneurs. A lot of SaaS, a lot of affiliate marketing, and the sort of associated 
services and products that go along with all that, right? So you got people that own web hosts, for example, which support e-commerce stores and affiliate marketers. You got a lot of productized services, which I think is directly related to this idea of the dissolution of the company. This idea that so many things that we used to have to hire for in-house are now being executed by focused productized services. And that's a trend we expect to continue. Yep. You also got things like professional services. But one of the things I've noticed through Dynamite Deals, through pulling together deals with folks at the event, people in the community and stuff, is that I believe the most popular way of making money on the internet is a combination of the following three things. Skills, Skype, and referrals. So I'll dig into each one. So skills are typically professional skills that you got from your career. So the key insight would be seeing like a nexus of value of how your skills match up with the marketplace and what they'd be willing to pay for. And then finally, a framework for delivering that value. You know, let's say you could imagine a person who was a lawyer in a former life and they say, wow, I see this new group of like internet people that could really use my law services to do X kind of thing. That's my key insight. So I'm going to put up a website and I'm going to sell them on this idea that I'll do X, Y, and Z to deliver that kind of value. The Skype portion is obviously picking up the damn phone and talking to people or being around people at conferences or in cities and referrals refers to the channel. And that could be people trickling into your website or a PPC campaign or your Facebook page or your Instagram or whatever. But typically, we're talking about a personal network, hustle, and old school referrals. These are legitimate businesses that are often very profitable and sizable. And we don't talk about them that much. And I think it's worth doing so. And the things I really love about these businesses is that you're getting paid to learn we're talking about services businesses here, right? Essentially. And you're getting paid to figure out what the market wants. Now, the downside of these businesses are, well, number one, they're services businesses. And so you can go back and listen to our podcast called The Services Problem. There could be of any number of reasons why your business isn't working out, why isn't scaling, and why it isn't becoming an asset that other people would want to be a part of. So long as you can skills, Skype, and refer, you can continue to pay the rent at a pretty high level and enjoy a really good lifestyle. It's a double-edged sword. It's this wonderful thing because I think a lot of people, Ian, they might imagine, say they're part of the, the TMBA listening audience that's wondering about becoming part of this tribe someday. And they might imagine people hacking the mainframe from the laptop and figuring out like affiliate deals and driving traffic funnels and stuff. That's not necessarily the biggest group in the community. The biggest group in the community is people who co-located themselves, got to know the needs of other people with businesses, hung up a shingle and started hustling. Yeah. These businesses, uh, they can be good businesses for sure, Dan. But I think one of the evolutions of, of these businesses is uh, product. We talk about it all the time in this podcast, the difference between having clients and customers. The group that you described with the skills, Skype, and referrals primarily has clients. You don't get paid unless you work and all these things that are good and bad about that business. I think a lot of these people are starting to pivot into productized services and eventually products. And what you're saying about learning is true. I think like the best part about this skills, Skype, and referrals 
type business is that you get to be entrenched in an industry and hopefully learn enough that you can pump out a product eventually. Absolutely. And the dream of a product for everybody that's curious about it is that you stamp it out and then you continue to manufacture it and you don't have to go to work every time. There's a process around the product. And that's what makes it so powerful and valuable is that you don't have to do it every time. Well, and I'd like to say like a lot of this too has to do with like volume of your audience and narrowing down what you do. Here's the deal. Like if you've got skill, Skype and referral and you got a hundred business owners at a conference that you know you can go to somewhere, you can rock up into that room and find yourself a couple clients. And you kind of adjust to their needs. You figure it out. You talk with them. They're into it. You figure it out. Boom. Now, if you have a very specific service, you might need to meet an addressable market of a lot more than 100 people. Because now all of a sudden, you could walk to that conference. You could pay a lot of money to go there. And you could say, oh, nobody needs what I got because what I got is really specific. Like, I do a fully managed warehousing service for sellers of the X kind of thing that have X kind of requirement. And none of those people were in that room. You know, and there might only be a thousand of those people in the world. And so you have to find another way to get that specific product or service in front of them. And I'd also like to point out that it's not always a product. You can have services that are so fine tuned and so specific that they look like products. Yeah. And it's really about building systems around value delivery. And that's really what entrepreneurship is all about is about systemic strategic thinking as well as all that hustle, sales, skills, people management stuff we talk. It's, it's everything. It's so frustrating. But uh, really, the concern that I'm bringing up remains here, which is there's always that ability to drop it to the bottom line, and you're not taking a step back to look at that systemic value. That's tough to do. That can put you in a compromising situation if there's so much money to be made, in other words, by keeping your hands on the steering wheel. All right, Ian. Number four point, a lot of people are at a financial stage in life we're going to call peak consumption. This is one of my favorite new ideas, Uh, and I'm like trying it on everybody I meet. It's not sticking, but we're going to keep breaking it up. I'm like trying it on the cat. (laughs) I'm like trying it on my two-year-old. I'm just like, I got to tell everybody about peak consumption because it's, one of the things that I'm, I've started to notice. And here's the idea. There is essentially, this is like a very weird thing to say, but for a lot of people that have been doing business for several years, maybe you have a little bit of that money that we talked about in the previous point. There's essentially nothing that you can't afford. You know, Now, I'm not talking about like luxury jets every day and things like that. I'm talking about like a trip to Fiji next weekend, the watch that you want, the new sheets that you want on your bed, like you can just buy it. And these things and these experiences have never been cheaper before. And so I think that a lot of us are finding ourselves at a situation where we're at peak consumption. And the idea is basically you can have anything and everything you've ever wanted whenever you want it. And so what do you do with that power? This is like the thing that you can't say in public. You can't go and say, Oh, I hang around with a bunch of people who can afford whatever the hell they want. So, I mean, maybe some people listening now are offended, but I have seen this too, Ian. And it happens at a different number value for everybody. It's actually in the book, Before the Exit, we had this exercise called the Lifestyle Ladder. And 
the idea is is like at what levels of of money in your savings account, personal savings account, do you unlock new lifestyle possibilities? And the top level is like basically fu money. The level right below that for me is this level called peak consumption, which is the level you're referring to. And it's the number that you need in your bank account. It's going to be a little different for everybody. I think the important thing for the audience to keep in mind is that that factor has just gone down dramatically over the past two decades. Yeah. You know, a peak consumption thing might be like, you know, next weekend I'm flying to New York to like watch the Nets play. And then the weekend after I've chartered a boat in Mexico because I want to learn how to deep sea fish. And by the way, I bought an outfit, you know, and all the gear and I'm going down there. And it's just like to live that kind of lifestyle is more in reach than ever. And seeing it firsthand, I'm not so sure I feel all that great about it because it just feels like what we're doing is we're just cooking up more stuff for us to buy, you know? And it even gets into the moral realm, Ian. Now all of a sudden, you know, you got like, oh, well, being an investor isn't good enough for you. Well, now I've created this like investment thing that like sort of looks like a charity too. So now you can buy that. You can buy like feeling good about yourself. We've turned everything into a product. Forget about productized services. We've just productized (laughs) the whole damn thing. And so the question for me then is like, what do you do? I've started to develop some ideas myself. Let me just try and answer out on you. I think it means two polarities. All the hardest questions in life, typically you can answer with things that oppose each other. An example might be, do you believe in free will? And the answer would be, yeah, I believe in it. And also I don't believe in it because I believe in causality. Or, you know, do you believe the world started at some point? Well, it's like, well, yeah, I believe the world started at some point because here we all are, but also how can a world, a universe start? Rationality can only get us so far. That was the first thing I thought of with this question, which is I think it both makes making money more important and less important at the same time. So I think what a lot of people might be tempted to do is say, man, I can have this wonderful lifestyle so cheaply, kind of, you know, fuck money. And why would I even, you know, set up a business with systemic value creation and learn the skill of entrepreneurship and all that? Because man, I can I can have all these amazing trips for cheap. And my response to that would be building wealth for your family and for your team and for your company is an enormously valuable thing. Inherently, I think building wealth isn't fundamentally about unlocking consumer options. It's about empowering a platform in your life. And that platform involves a lot more people than you. And that's why I think it should encourage you to continue to build healthy organizations that provide great employment for people and yourself and that you know build you some kind of financial legacy. Now, on the other hand, because such a great quote, lifestyle is available at an earlier level, I think you can inspire people to care less about money too. You can say, look, I'm building a business for the long term. And so I'm not going to make compromises while I'm doing it in order to buy shit, basically, right? Because like that buy shit horizon is closer than it's ever been. And so I'm going to do it the right way. I mean, when I think of amazing, I don't necessarily think of these sort of watching basketball games, Ian. I think of not having to work 
with people and in projects that I find unsavory. Yeah. That doesn't mean I don't want to be challenged. It means that I don't want to be controlled. I don't want to have a job, you know, a traditional job. That's my answer. That's my long-winded answer. (laughs) This is a question, Dan, that I think we're going to be asking ourselves and the community is going to be asking themselves for like several years to come. And I think it's just one of these things that comes with building more wealth and freedom. It's like now I have the freedom to do and buy a lot more than I used to. And what am I going to do with that? One of the things that I noticed with peak consumption, the idea of like going to the Nets game and the idea of doing Mexico the weekend after that is that it's not leading to happiness. And it's not necessarily leading to fulfillment either. And so I think, Dan, one of my ideas behind peak consumption is to go ahead and peak consume, but to do it by going deep. Do it on things that are truly valuable to you and that you will find long lasting for maybe the rest of your life enjoyment. When I look at you, I think of like cycling as one of these things, these activities that never gets old for you. And it doesn't cost a lot of money, but you are at like peak consumption with it. Like you could not consume more. I have seen you. You're on the internet, you're reading, you're doing, you're talking, like you're going so deep into cycling. And I think ultimately that's probably a interesting approach. Like when you have a little bit more time and money than you know what to do with, you've chosen to go deep. And I think that's one of the solutions here. So, you know, it might be, Dan, that a lot of us never had money before, or we never had a passport before. This was certainly the case for me, right? Started traveling like in my mid-20s. And so it makes sense to like go to all these places and see all these things and to do all these activities. But then my guess is like eventually it does probably narrow down. But the fact that like these opportunities are available now to like so many people, it's interesting to see what they do with it. You know, another thing that has sort of come up is when people feel dissatisfied, they they seek out purpose, right? And I think purpose has started to get packaged in our culture too. You know, marketers are clever. People who run organizations are clever. And so people who run an otherwise healthy business might look to do things like send off money to an organization or do something that has, quote, more impact or they hear things from people. And I'm always like, fundamentally suspicious of stuff like that. But I also like am worried about people who care about impact too. <laughs> it's concerning to me when you put your stock and your happiness and your sense of purpose in outcome-based thinking rather than process-based. Or you're doing things for a means and that means is to like make other people happy or to make other people's lives better. Whereas the ends would be you do it because you feel inspired to do it. I'm always concerned when there's like a connector in between. It's like, I want to give back because like once the because comes in there, Mm -hmm. I think we've got a problem. How about I'm giving back? And the place you always start is not with your money, but you start with your time. Like if you want to see what people value, you watch what they do. That's why it might be interesting for people that are in a position to do this, Dan, is to start their own organizations. Exactly. It's to fulfill their own promises to themselves and to others, not through some kind of organization. You know, if you do that, though, which I think is the exact right thing to do, you might, you know, open yourself up to a rude awakening. You know, one is that you don't want to do that stuff you thought you wanted to do. What you wanted to do was purchase it somehow. 
And that's where I think about like this outcome-based thinking. For me, it's like, think of it as a means. Like, what do you want to do in and of itself? And why isn't that good enough? You know, when anybody out there figures out how to be happy, send me an email because I want to know about it. <laughs> but I also worry, I don't think happiness is really that great of a goal anyway. I think it's sort of a strange modern obsession. I don't buy it. Coming from you, that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> you know, Dan, final thoughts on this idea of peak consumption. I think my challenge to myself and maybe to the listener group is to like zoom out this period of time, like where we have abundance in a lot of things. Zoom out. Like, are we using it effectively? Are we going to look back and say like, ooh, kind of wasted my life flying around to all these different places every weekend? I think it's a question worth asking. And this is why I love hanging out with older people because they have insights into these types of things that I don't know about because I'm not older yet. Was that a life worth living? And I think it's like worth asking ourselves these questions. Like, If you have an abundance right now, the things that you choose to do and spend on, will they be valuable to yourself 20 years from now? Will you look back and you think like, yeah, that was a great way to spend my time? Honestly, I'm a little bit embarrassed right now in this microphone talking about all these essentially really, really wealthy people we hung around with. And um, I'm really mad that I feel that way. You shouldn't feel guilty for your success. That's ridiculous. It's preposterous Yeah, to feel guilty about having a little bit of success. We're not here to brag. Like This is an insider's community. With the stated earnest goal of becoming wealthy, whether that's in your lifestyle, whether that's in your time, whether that's in your money, that's what this pod's all about. If you don't want to become wealthy, if you're feeling bad about it, this is not the podcast for you. So that's why I bring that up because there's a lot of people out there, Ian, that will make you feel guilty for this stuff. One caveat about that, Dan, I think it's getting wealthy in lifestyle and money and whatever you think is uh, your currency of wealth without taking advantage of people. Totally. Without pushing people down when you come up. All right, boss man. The final point, I think, apropos to the conversation is this audience, the TMBA audience, is willing to have conversations that no one else will. I mean, just as an example, look at the last four points. This is very niche information. This is not things that uh, you can bring up with everybody. You were joking about how much fun you had at the dad meetup, that that dad meetup was like totally, it wasn't just a bunch of dads hanging around. Like you guys were getting deep on the dad stuff. Yeah, we had a dad meetup over lunch. There was future dads. There was current dads. There was people that were about to leave dadhood, meaning like their kids were older. And so we had like a great spectrum of dads at the table. And it was interesting the things that we talked about. You know, we talked about our relationships with our partners. We talked about our kids. We talked about how all this is like related to the businesses that we run. Some people had like four kids, some people had one kid. And so it was like a really fun meal. You know, I didn't like expect it. Like going into it, it was like, ah, dad meet up. Like, yeah, like what are we even going to talk about here? But it turns out like we went deep on like a lot of different subjects. Well, DCers just go so deep so fast. I mean, that's one of the real pleasures of being at these conferences. You know, we've lifestyled our business, right? Quite literally, that's sort of the original idea of the show here is we've said like this is all happening in an important context. And so it's just natural that you're going to have conversations about how you're structuring your life and your relationships right on the tail of it. 
Well, one of the things that I've heard about GCBKK, but it, for some reason, like it's really started to get cemented into my mind, Dan, is how our events are, are different than other events. There's a business conference for everything. But I think the difference between our events and other events is uh, you can talk about your checkout process. Like, why am I not converting? And people will go deep. Like, let me look at your analytics. What card abandonment tool are you using? Yada, yada. Yeah. And then five minutes later, they can have the same conversation about parenting in the same amount of detail. And it's equally important, these two conversations. And I think most business conferences that you go to, you will never have the conversation about parenting. You just equated fatherhood with conversion rates. We are keeping that in the episode. (laughs) Equally important. It's equally important. (laughs) Those types of conversations about parenting, most people are not willing to open themselves out to that type of vulnerable situation where they're talking about like, hey, it's like not going that great with my partner or like, hey, my kid's not doing so well in school. Like I'm feeling a little bit guilty about how much time I'm spending on my business. Like it never gets to that point when you're at, the business conference. But for some reason, like we're attracting the type of people that it does get that deep that fast. It's that sort of thing that makes these things so special. So for all of you that did come out to the event, we appreciate your energy. And for those of you who didn't make it out this year, we hope that this episode gave you something to think about and hopefully a little inspiration for you to grow a better business. That's it, boss man. It's amazing. We, I mean, this just to give you guys some behind the scenes. You know, this is on a three-page small font or a five-page small font document, just with notes from the team, like all the stuff that happened. You know, just a little nugget right here. Like Laura Roder's on stage, and she's talking about spending in her business, and she shows some graphs, and she says, like, look, this is a particular cash flow. You spend X amount of dollars to support that cash flow. And you think you're going to take the X amount of dollars and respend it and it's going to behave the same way, but it doesn't. Let's dig into that a little bit. For Laura to go up there and put her business up as a case study to show how that worked specifically in her context is actually sort of the context for all these other conversations, which is people going up there and saying, for one week, I'm going to share my experiences with all you so that you can build better businesses. I'm not going to do it because something. I'm going to do it because it's worth doing. And I think that's pretty cool. Well, Dan, you don't have to wait until next year to get weird with us, by the way. (laughs) DC Austin is coming up in April, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, me too, actually. Same, same, but different. That's my new uh, way of describing DC Austin. Because <laughs> actually, like, I was, I got a bit, you know, for me, I was just going through the motions years ago with DC Austin. I thought, man, I'm just doing this because Ian doesn't want to get on an airplane. <laughs> He's su- such a lazy bum. And Austin is not nowhere near as cool as all these other places we could have it. And I think there was a big part of me that truly believed that. You know, why not someplace more exotic or... Because all the internet entrepreneurs are hanging out here, man. That's it. That's one of the big reasons. But also, Austin has its own form of flavor and character that I've really turned the corner on and started to recognize. And uh, that's pretty cool. And it bleeds over to the event where with the people that come, it's the same vibe. It's the same, let's go to the mat with the topics. It's the same sharing. It's the same vibe. But the people are a little different. The types of people that come are a little different. And course, there's crossover, but it's same, same, but different. 
Looking forward to it. All right, Dan, until next week. All right, that's it. We'll be back as always next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you.